In Spring Branch, we speak more than 145 different languages, and that diversity translates into a thriving economy. Our district's a melting pot. It's a great place to find the staff you need. Spring Branch is working for business. Yours. Find out more at spmda.org. Hi, and welcome to Looped In. This is the Houston Chronicle podcast all about real estate. The dirt, the deals, the people, the places. It's all here. I'm Rebecca Schutz, real estate reporter at the Houston Chronicle. I was recently visiting my parents for my dad's 70th birthday, which makes it a perfect time to check back in about that refinance. For those who didn't listen, I gave dad a call when I was thinking about refinancing my home back in January, but we ended without making a decision. So what are we doing? Do you want to talk about refinancing? Okay. After the last conversation, I was debating between getting a new 30-year mortgage, getting a 15-year mortgage, or doing nothing at all. I decided I didn't want to increase my monthly payments like my situation would have to do with a 15-year mortgage because I wanted to maintain some financial flexibility. If my taxes or insurance go up or anything changes with my job, it would be nice to have the room to drop my monthly expenses for a while. So it was down to the 30-year mortgage or nothing at all. And if I went for the 30-year, I wanted the monthly savings to break even with the cost of getting a new loan in two to three years. Yeah. Well, when Amogee quoted, they had locked in the price. And I was like, well, let me call Bank of America to see, like, what what, what would it be if they locked? Yeah, I knew you were trying to get them to lock in. Yeah. So when I called them and they locked in, they were willing to lock in a lower price than they had quoted me. I think just because it was like a different date and prices had gone down a little bit. But since I had already sort of done the math and said, oh, I would be willing to do it if like the cost was below a certain point and the rate was at a certain point. When they gave me the lower quote and the cost was the same, I was just like, okay, let's do it. So I went ahead, got the refinance. So we're yet in the process. I finished. You're finished? I finished. (laughs) Got a good rate, didn't pay any points. Yeah, now rates have risen. It's about half a percentage point, according to Freddie Mac. I don't understand the, why the rates are going up exactly. Which is a great segue to the economist Frank Notaft, whom I called up again to explain just that. Frank is an economist at the real estate analytics company CoreLogic. So just wanted to touch base because rates are still low, but last time we were talking, they were sort of going down and down into uncharted territory, and now they have started drifting back up. It's above 3%. Just wanted to hear a little bit what's causing that. Yeah, and what a sea change, right? Mm -hmm. Just over the last couple of months, when we spoke last time, we were at a record low. I mean, a crazy low level, about 2.6, 2 2.7% as an average Mm -hmm. for 30-year fixed-rate mortgage rates. Never ever had we seen that before here in the United States in, in the history, <laughs> in the history of the U.S. If we had been talking a couple of years ago, I would have said, nah, it's impossible. We'd never see rates that, <laughs> that low. And sure enough, yeah. it happened. And of course, it took a really very unique and special um, event, uh, a very sad event, too, to cause that to uh, precipitate in the economy. Just interrupting to say, this was recorded March 31st. In the week ending April 15th, the average rate for a 30-year mortgage was 3.04%, according to Freddie Mac. But the general consensus is that interest rates are trending up. 
Freddie Mac predicts rates will average 3.2% in 2021 and 3.7% in 2022. And like you say, they're averaging about 3.2%. They're a little bit over 3% for 30-year fixed rate mortgage rates. And what's kind of driving that uh, are a number of of factors related to the outlook for economic activity in the coming year or two. I'll let him Uh, break it down. But first, I wanted to touch back to when Frank explained why mortgage rates were going down over 2020. When investors are concerned about the future of the economy, they seek safer investments. It may be unclear how the pandemic will impact the returns of various stocks. Government bonds and mortgage debt, on the other hand, almost a sure bet, as long as the mortgage debt is properly underwritten. And because of the pandemic, relative certainty was in such high demand that investors were willing to accept lower yields. That drove down interest rates on bonds and mortgages. And there was another big player buying mortgage debt, the Federal Reserve. To support the economy as the impending recession became clear, the Federal Reserve cut short-term rates to near zero and bought government and mortgage-backed bonds. Both of those moves also increased demand for these bonds and drove down mortgage rates. The behavior of both investors and the Federal Reserve were two reasons rates had gone down. Fast forward to today, Frank said that the Federal Reserve hasn't significantly changed its spending, but the economic outlook for investors has really shifted. The uh, outlook has brightened significantly uh, over the last couple of months. And one part of that has been the $1.9 trillion stimulus package that was just enacted earlier this month by Congress and signed into uh, legislation by President Biden. And that's up and above what was enacted at the end of December. But when you put the two of them together, that pumps a lot of juice into the economy for 2021 and even into 2022. That, he explained, has really raised expectations for how quickly we'll recover from this recession. Um, The uh, forecast is now somewhere between 5 to 6% in economic growth for the U.S. economy here in 2021. If that does come to pass, that'll be the strongest annual growth in the U.S. since 1984. And of course, it comes after a very lousy year. Uh, mm-hmm. But still, you know, a few months ago, we, well, you know, the economics profession was expecting a recovery in 2021. It was a muted recovery. And a strong recovery means people are ready to borrow money. People are more willing to take out debt as their personal situations firm up. Businesses are more willing to take out debt as demand returns. And the government, with that new $1.9 trillion stimulus package, is ready to take out a lot of debt. It's um, a shift over the last several months where the the view is now there's going to be an increased demand for funds. Mm -hmm. And in order to meet that increased demand for funds, there's got to be an incentive for investors to to supply those funds. Well, what's the Mm -hmm. incentive? Well, pay higher yield. A higher yield means higher interest rates. And and the the other thing to keep in mind is what the expectations are about long-term inflation. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Fed remains pretty confident that uh, in long-term, inflationary expectations will be anchored at 2% per year, which the Fed has been successful over the last several years of, of maintaining. 
the Fed will be watching very closely to see if inflationary expectations become delinked or no longer anchored to 2%. If suddenly investors think inflation, oh, it's not going to be 2% on average, it'll be 3% on average. Well, that's mm. going to translate into higher yields, uh, long-term bond yields, because once again, investors will want to make a real return over time, a return that's higher than the overall inflation rate. So if they think the inflation rate is going to be higher, by let's say a percentage point than had been thought previously, they're going to expect to earn a yield on a bond mm -hmm. that's a percentage point higher as well. What could be some of the effects of mortgage rates rising? Well, one of the effects, of course, is that it reduces affordability for prospective mm -hmm. home buyers. Just in the last year, we've seen home prices rise about 10%. Uh, so what that means, if you're, let's say, a first-time home buyer, or any, any home buyer, in fact, but especially if you're a first-time home buyer, that means you have to have 10% more savings in order to meet the needs of the down payment, the closing costs, and the additional cash reserves that you need to have that the lender is expecting you to have for those uh, rainy day emergencies and repairs on a home. So that's one part of the uh, affordability pressures that a prospective home buyer faces. Now, when mortgage rates were coming down and coming down to that record low that we saw at the beginning of January, that alleviated some of the pressure on the monthly payments, the monthly mortgage payments. That's the second part of affordability. Well, now let's see what's happened over the last two months. Oh, well, mortgage rates have gone up. So not only mm -hmm. do you need to have a much bigger boatload of cash up front, but since your loan amount is probably going to be 10% mm -hmm. larger, that reduction in interest rates now relative to, let's say, last April is so small that your monthly payment is higher than it would have been a year ago. What are the consequences for the housing market? It means that um, at the margin, there'll be some home buyers who will say, oof, it's gotten too expensive for me. I, I can't afford to, to buy a home now. Either I, I, I can't save up the money up front, or even if I have that, the mortgage payment's now gotten too high. It's, it's going to bite into my monthly income too much. So a little bit of a pullback on demand, uh, and that should help to moderate price growth later on this year. It's not going to be immediate. Um, but later this year, especially as we get into the second half of 2021, uh, we're expecting to see a moderation in home price growth. We're not expecting prices to fall, but we're expecting to see a moderation in price growth. It's, it's not sustainable to see home prices rising 10% per year, year after year after year, when family incomes are not rising 10% per year. Mm -hmm. It's just not sustainable. Mm -hmm. So do you think it would fall more in line with how much incomes are rising? I, I think ultimately that's what we'll see longer term. Again, it's not going to be overnight. It's not going to be next month. It's a gradual process. But as we get into 2022, our forecast is that home prices will continue to rise uh, nationally, but the rise will be about 3% per year, which is a little bit closer okay. in line to uh, uh, the rate of income growth. Okay. So it sounds like maybe the number of sales will moderate a little bit it could what will also help is if mm -hmm. we have more inventory on the market mm -hmm. for sale 
why is supply so lean? Why, why do we have this record low supply of homes in the marketplace? Well, when we looked into it, uh, in large part, it's because of the pandemic. And uh, mm -hmm. when you think about the pandemic and when you think about who owns homes, who are the owner occupants in the United States, uh, um, the cohort that is the biggest cohort among owner occupants are baby boomers. And of course, mm -hmm. they're older. Uh, um, and as you know, the older population has been considered to be a much, much higher risk of uh, dangerous complications and death from uh, COVID-19. And so if you're um, nearing, if you're a baby boomer, you're re nearing retirement, or maybe you, you have retired in the last couple of years and, you know, you were planning to sell your house and maybe downsize or, or move to a retirement home down south or where, whatever, then the pandemic hits. Well, that changes your plans. You have flexibility on when you sell. You don't have to sell in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, and that's uh, the, a major reason why the inventory for sale has been so low over the last several months. So, as baby boomers and the general population uh, get vaccinated, uh, what I do expect to see, and this will probably be more toward the second half of this year, I expect that we're actually going to see an increase in listings relative to a year earlier. That will enable more home sales. And in fact, our forecast is that home sales in 2021 calendar year will be the highest since 2006, the highest in 15 years. Wow. So that's an argument home sales will stay healthy. However, the higher rates will have a definite impact on one part of the mortgage industry, refinances, where we began the story. Speaking personally, rates have gone up so much that if I hadn't refinanced with a rate locked in January, it wouldn't make sense for me to do so anymore since I purchased the home so recently. The bulk of originations in 2022 and 2023, I think, will be home purchase originations. It's not to say refinance is going to disappear. Uh, the nature of refinance will be different. When mortgage rates have risen, the people who are coming in to refinance generally are doing it uh, to do a cash-out refinance. In other words, people who are taking out loans that are bigger than the ones they currently have, they can then use the cash for something like home repairs. And will there be any side effects of so many people with these truly record low interest rates locked in? That's, that's really interesting. It, it, it does make it a little less attractive to move, right? <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. if, if, if you've got a... A mortgage of 3%, or let's say, you know, you lucked out, you got one with a two handle. Maybe you refinance into a 15-year fixed rate and you've got a two and a quarter rate, or maybe mm -hmm. even a 2% rate. I actually heard there, there were some borrowers who got a 2% 15-year wow. fixed rate uh, mortgage rate at the bottom, at the, the trough of the rate cycle. If you've got one of those um, and, you know, market interest rates now are, let's say, in the future, double that, you'll probably say, well, gee, I got such a good deal, I, I don't want to get, give it up. So it may, um, it may affect that decision to, to sell and, and relocate. When you're saying some people have like a 2% interest rate, that's what in inflation generally is. And it seems so upside down. I don't know. I, I'm having a hard time even thinking about basically if I had a mortgage at less than inflation, there's no reason to pay it off any faster than I have to, right? Yeah. So that's 
Just, That's right. Uh, Absolutely. You're almost making money on it. That's right. Exactly. Huh. Yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting. So it could almost be like a drag in certain ways, but people have to move sometimes. But maybe they'd be incentivized to turn it into a rental. We did some analysis uh, um, a few years ago to see uh-huh. how um, overall mobility in the U.S. was affected by mm-hmm. uh, movements and in interest rates. And sure mm-hmm. enough, exactly mm-hmm. what you say is what we noticed in the data, too, that when um, mortgage rates had moved up from their low, uh, you know, we did see a little bit less um, sales. Uh, because, you know, in part because rates are higher, but in part because uh, those homeowners who have cheap mortgage rates, you know, they're, they have less of incentive to pick up and move. They, they don't yeah. want to give up a 2% mortgage rate in order to move and buy another house where it's got a 4% mortgage rate, for example. Yeah. That all, of course, is years out. As for now, things are still hot. I checked in with Jennifer Hernandez, a senior loan officer at Legacy Mutual Mortgage, who has been originating home loans for 25 years. She described the pace of originations as, quote, a pressure cooker. It's kind of like a tsunami. I never take lunch. I eat on the fly. I've actually been grateful not to be have to drive in because I don't want to waste the commute time. My 45-minute each-way commute time, that's an hour and a half. I mean, I can jam out a bunch of work. Things are so busy, she has been able to hire three more workers during COVID. Higher rates, she acknowledged. It has put the brakes on some people that were going to refi and they were stalling, thinking rates were going to go lower. There's still refinances happening, but not as fast, which... I'm actually a little secretly grateful for because it takes it, it takes some of the pressure off. But but right behind it, we're filling it with the purchase demand. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you ever want to send an idea for our podcast or just say hi, you can reach out on Facebook or Twitter. I'm at R.A. Shoots. That's R-A-S-C-H-U-E-T-Z. And on our show notes, if you go to HoustonChronicle.com slash looped in, We'll have links to our latest on mortgage rates, as well as our last episode on refinancing, just in case you missed it. Special thanks to our guests, Frank Notehaft and Jennifer Hernandez, and of course, to my dad. Thanks to our print editors, Jonathan Diamond and Rob Gavin. Thanks to Farrell Gibbs and his band, All the Komodos, for the theme music. And thanks to Scott Kingsley for producing. Until next time. <laughs>